Happy 5th of July. I hope everybody had a good Independence Day. I know it's easy these days to feel down on America because our government is so corrupt. That's why I was so pleased to kick off 4th of July weekend with some excellent and unexpected news. After years of watching leftists get away with political violence against conservatives, I learned late last week that two Antifa anarchists have been arrested by the FBI and they've been charged by the DOJ and they're facing potentially a decade in prison for hurling an explosive in my direction at the University of Pittsburgh. Turns out the rocket's red glare, the bombs bursting in air, gave proof through the night that our flag is still there. I'm Michael Knowles, this is The Michael Knowles Show. This episode is brought to you by Good Ranchers. Get great meat at a secure price and 30 bucks off your order with my code Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S. Go to GoodRanchers.com, use code Knowles today. Hunter Biden's child, Joe Biden's seventh grandchild that he won't acknowledge, is becoming a major political liability for him in 2024. And apparently Biden's senior staff are now telling the White House aides never to acknowledge this child. We'll get to that in one second because it's not only a political liability, finally, for him, but it's also like the worst thing the guy has done, as far as I'm concerned. He destroyed the economy. He sent us hurtling toward World War III. But just on a personal level, to deny your little four-year-old grandchild is just so awful. So we'll get to that in a second. First, though, I don't want to move too fast off this anarchist story. This is really, really great news. And there's some backstory here, which I've never talked about on the air. But I, I gave my speech or my, my debate at the University of Pittsburgh. And there was a ton of publicity around it. I was supposed to debate this trans-identifying professor, and we were going to debate the question, what is a woman who decides where does sex and gender come from, that sort of thing. At the very last moment, he pulls out of the debate because I just think he realized he didn't have a leg to stand on. So he pulls out at the very last moment, and Brad Palumbo, who's a libertarian, gay-identifying, not trans-identifying, but gay-identifying political commentator. He pinch pinch hit at the last moment, which is very nice of him. And there were all sorts of threats on the debate. There were petitions from legislators, everyone trying to shut this thing down. And then there was a major protest outside of the debate. So we get to the venue. These people are not just holding their signs with their stupid chants. They're setting the street on fire. They burned me in effigy. They're shouting all sorts of threats. Uh, the cops lead us in the back you know, we're backstage about to go on. As we go on stage, an explosive goes off. And so you hear the building kind of shakes a little bit. You hear this big explosive. The cops send us back into the green room while they secure what's going on over there. Eventually, I said, look, I want to keep going. I don't care what what's going on outside. Let's go. We're doing this thing. We're not going to let these guys shut us up. So we go. There were a lot of threats throughout the whole event. They tried to end it early. We, we just kept plowing on. Finally, they, they did have to cancel our meet and greet afterward. But we get out of there, do the full debate. Okay, fine. I then get a message through my assistant, uh, which was that the FBI wanted to interview me because the FBI just happened to be at my debate and wanted to bring charges against these Antifa people. And I thought, you know, I'm very pro-law enforcement I've, I've got friends who've worked for the FBI. I know lots of, lots of great people who have worked for the FBI. In years past, wouldn't have thought anything of it, would have happily spoken voluntarily to the FBI. But then I thought, you know, just a few weeks before I got this request, 
There was a memorandum that came out that showed the FBI was trying to infiltrate conservative Catholic parishes, called conservative Catholics a, a, a domestic terror threat. You know, a little bit before that, the FBI knocks on the door of a pro-life advocate and, and arrests him in front of his seven kids for, for just for being a pro-life advocate. I thought, that's not good. This is the FBI that had, had illegitimately gone after Trump on completely bogus charges, spied on his campaign, did the dirty work of, of the Democrats and Barack Obama. I thought, you know, this is the FBI that set up Mike Flynn on nothing. I thought, you know, I don't know. I don't know that I trust the FBI and the DOJ, certainly not under Joe Biden. I'm good. I don't really believe that they're going to bring charges against Antifa. And I'm really pleased to say I was wrong. I was really surprised to see it. But they, not only did the FBI arrest these guys, but then the DOJ, U.S. attorneys, brought charges against them. It's a husband and a wife. They're not kids, by the way. There was one time I was attacked at the University of Missouri, Kansas City by some weirdo with a squirt gun full of who knows what. And when I, I did speak to the cops after that, and they said, you know, okay, do you have any statement? And I said, look, I don't really want to encourage you guys to press charges if it's just some stupid kid. I don't want to ruin his life because he just is an idiot. Even if he attacked me, I don't, whatever, you know, who cares? Uh, and <laughs> to which the cops then told me, uh, no, Michael, he punched a police officer. That kid, he's got bigger problems than you. So I said, okay, but it's a kid, doesn't matter. These guys, this husband and wife from Pittsburgh that threw the explosive, they're in their, one of them is 36 years old, one of them is 40 years old. So these are not spring chickens. These are hardened, criminal, radical leftists. And after watching the George Floyd riots go on for months and months and months, the cops do nothing because the political leaders told them they could do nothing. After watching all sorts of lawlessness encouraged by our political establishment, meanwhile, law enforcement is weaponized by the liberals to go after ordinary conservatives. I'm just very pleased. I want to give credit where credit's due. Good job to the FBI. Good job to the DOJ. Now, I hope, I hope that these two don't get off with a little slap on the wrist. I hope this isn't all just a big PR stunt and then they don't need to really worry about anything. The fact that these guys threw their explosive, not just in my direction, but there was something in between them and me, and that thing would happen to be a bunch of police officers. I think that might have elevated the case here. And so because of that, I hope they face some serious punishment. They're looking at up to 10 years in prison, and they deserve it. We've got to show the radical left that we're not going to tolerate their political violence, especially not political violence on a college campus, especially not political violence against people for holding an open debate on a basic question. So good job. Now let's make sure they see it through. When the political order gets crazy, you know what you want to do. You're going to want to have some tangible assets. You're going to want to check out Birch Gold. Right now, text Knowles to 989898. As central banks in countries like China, India, and Australia begin looking to transition to a digital currency, the Federal Reserve has been contemplating the same for the U.S. With a digital currency, the government could track every single purchase you make. Officials could even prohibit you from purchasing certain products or easily freeze or seize part or all of your money. Times like these are a great reminder to diversify a portion of your savings into gold. You can do that with the help of Birch Gold. They are who I buy my gold from, so do thousands of other concerned savers. Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into an IRA in gold. You don't pay a penny out of pocket. When currencies fail, gold is a safe haven. How much more time does the dollar have? Protect your savings with gold. Birch Gold has an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. Thousands of happy customers.
Text Knowles to 989898. Get your free info kit on gold. If a central bank digital currency becomes a reality, it's going to be nice to have some gold to depend upon. Right now, text Knowles, Canada WLES, to 989898. Speaking of the courts, really great decision came out of the Supreme Court. The hits just keep on coming. You know, we talked about how the Supreme Court struck down affirmative action. We'll get to more on that story in just a moment because, you know, I hate to say I told you so. One of my big predictions about that case has already been proven true. But there was another great case, which was over religious liberty. Court ruled 6-3 that a web designer who did not want to participate in a quote-unquote gay wedding ceremony Uh, will not have to do so, that this woman has a First Amendment right not to use her creative services to participate in a ceremony that that violates her moral views. Uh, This is a 6-3 decision, so it's not even a 5-4. It's not even like Roberts sided with the libs or anything like this. Gorsuch wrote the majority opinion and said no. Not only do Colorado bakers not have to bake gay wedding cakes or whatever, but uh, web designers also don't need to contribute their creative services, their language, their their intellectual work to these ceremonies that they believe are not only incoherent and absurd, but also violate their moral views. Great news, and it's, it's popular. It, forget about the law for a second, because there have been all sorts of lawless Supreme Court decisions, decisions that came down that established a constitutional precedent that had nothing to do with the Constitution or the law, natural or civil. Uh, I think another reason why this decision came down is because it's popular. Most people don't think that you should be forced to participate in a sexual ceremony that you find morally objectionable. The vast majority of Americans think that. This is the first Pride Month in my lifetime, where pride has become less popular. You saw it with Bud Light, you saw it with Target, you saw it with even Cracker Barrel is getting flack for for embracing the rainbow. That wasn't true for my whole life, starting in the 90s, accelerating with the popularity of Will and Grace. Then in recent years, everything just gets painted with a rainbow for at least a month. This year, there was a lot of pushback. You're seeing this reflected in American social views. Pew has reported this. Gallup has reported on this. Gallup showed that Americans' views of same-sex relations have dropped, not just marriage or transgenderism or whatever, but relations period have dropped seven points in one year. So the court looks at the polls, the court reads the news, and the court discovered that this pride stuff is very unpopular. That's why Republicans need to keep pressing on this. Because what we were told in those early days of the pride movement was this is just about tolerance and acceptance and leave us alone. And how does it affect you? And keep your nose out of people's bedrooms and whatever. But that's never what it was about. The the inevitable logical conclusion of the pride movement was we're going to go into your kid's kindergarten and we're going to teach them wild ideologies about sex and gender and and not only the relations between the sexes and within the sexes, but even one's understanding of human nature itself. And people have just said enough, enough with that. Uh, The DeSantis campaign is capitalizing on this right now. And DeSantis is being pilloried, not just by the libs, but by the squishes on the right for an ad that people are saying is homophobic. Here's the ad. I will do 
BTQ citizens. But Caitlyn Jenner were to walk Trump into Trump hanging Tower. out with Bruce Jenner, and Trump the bathroom, holding up a rainbow flag. Any bathroom she chooses. That is correct. In the future, can transgender women compete in Lady this Maga. Yes. Who's a, a drag queen who's pro Trump. And then DeSantis comes out and just says, no. You see all these like Sigma male memes, Patrick Bateman, DeSantis signs a draconian anti-LGBT bill. DeSantis enacts a wave of laws. You see the Chad meme guy, like super strong guy. DeSantis, unstoppable. Some of the harshest, most draconian laws that literally threaten trans existence. Congratulations, Ron DeSantis. Mission accomplished. You win. This governor does not care. DeSantis on a crusade. A real wolf had finally arrived. Wolf of Wall Street. So really leaning into this online Sigma male, socially conservative. No, we're not going to tolerate this rainbow pride stuff anymore. I think it's a great ad. I think it's a great ad. One, because it's funny. It's a self-aware ad. I don't think anybody really believes that Ron DeSantis is going to be, you know, instituting Sharia law and throwing homosexuals off rooftops, right? Nobody really believes that. But the ad, with all of its Sigma male, Patrick Bateman kind of vaporwave aesthetic, is is showing people a, a real aspect of his political legacy and his accomplishments, which is we're not going to enshrine special protections for this disordered view of human nature. We're going to be nice to people. We're going to tolerate things within reason. But and no, we're going to roll back the pride movement that's now made it all the way into your kid's kindergarten classroom. And it's really, really good. And he's smart to go after Trump on this because Trump is by far the most pro-LGBT LMNOP candidate that the GOP has ever run for president. And I don't think this is because Trump is some crusader for gay rights or, or transgenderism or anything like that. I think it's because Trump is just He's just an old school normal guy who doesn't really care about this stuff. And he kind of, he's, he's willing to pander to different groups to get their votes. But, you know, I, I don't, I don't think you could call him a rainbow activist or anything like that. The reason this is a really good attack though on Donald Trump is it gives the Republican base a justification for abandoning Trump and embracing DeSantis. I'm not saying it's going to work, but it, it's one of the first things that will give the base that justification. Because right now, looking at the field, the real hardcore guys remain pro-Trump. It's just a fact. You might say that's not fair. You might say DeSantis is the more conservative candidate. Yeah, maybe, maybe that's ultra. I don't know. I'm just saying the hardcore guys remain pro-Trump. And the more GOP establishment types, if they've got to pick between the two, are going for Ron DeSantis. So DeSantis has this establishment baggage, even if it just comes by virtue of the fact that he's the guy who's posing a real challenge to Trump right now, he's got to deal with that. He has to somehow answer the fact that the GOP establishment and the mainstream establishment more broadly is going softer on DeSantis than they are on Trump. This is one great way to do it. If he runs to the right of Trump on the social issues, specifically on the Rainbow Coalition, that will give the, the hardcore guys an opportunity to say, actually, if we really want to be subversive, if we really want to be edgy, we can... We're going to follow this guy who's threatening the sexual revolution, which the libs hold very, very dear. And the other reason this works is because while the establishment is very pro-rainbow, the, the people broadly, including many Democrats, are not. 
This is a real wedge issue between the elites of the uniparty and the people broadly, the few and the many. It's one of these great wedge issues. So really, really strong stuff for DeSantis. Now, does an ad showing that DeSantis is tougher on LGBT activism than Trump, does that make up a 30-point gap? I'm not sure about that, but it is still very early in the race. So if there is a chance for DeSantis, this is probably it. This was a little bit the Cruz strategy in 2016. The Cruz strategy was to say, I am to the right socially of Donald Trump. And actually, they, they focused on the transgender issue here because Donald Trump said that people who identify as, as the opposite sex, they can use whatever bathroom they want to use. And Ted Cruz said, see, Donald Trump is a, a leftist on the transgender issue, and I'm going to insist that men use the men's room and women use the women's room. And, and because Trump got the nomination, people drew, I think, the wrong conclusion from that, which is they say, well, okay, this, this socially conservative strategy, this is the best way to become the first loser. You know, this is the best way to come in number two in the GOP race. But people forget the particulars of this. Had the rest of the field dropped out, had Marco Rubio dropped out before Florida, Ted Cruz almost certainly would have been the GOP nominee in 2016. And you might say, well, Cruz would have lost to Hillary. I don't know what would have happened in the general. I'm just telling you about the primary. That was a very close primary until Trump finally broke away right there at the end. So if, if DeSantis follows the Cruz social conservative strategy, in a race where there are fewer candidates, many fewer serious candidates. In 2016, there were 20 guys on the stage, and they all had kind of roughly the same chance <laughs> at, at, at different points. Right now, that's not true. There are two, three, maybe four candidates who can pose a real threat here. And so if, if DeSantis can rally that anti-Trump support, and then he pursues something akin to the Cruz strategy in 2016, it's not necessarily the worst idea. So with DeSantis potentially finding some light here and being able to gain some ground, what, what's going on with the rest of the field? The rest of the field is going after DeSantis. You saw this uh, just now with Chris Christie. You know, I've talked about my dark horse bet that Chris Christie could really have a moment in this race. And I know everyone mocks me for it, talking about the chrysosons, the croissants, we call it for short. But if I we're even allowed to bet on Predict It right now. Predict It's not even showing Chris Christie in the GOP primary betting markets. I'd put a small amount of money on it because I think he could he could have a, a blip at least, a moment. Christie is not going after Trump right now. He's going after Ron DeSantis, specifically over January 6th. I wasn't anywhere near Washington that day. I have nothing to do with what happened that day. Obviously, I didn't enjoy seeing you know what would happen. But we've got to go forward on this stuff. We cannot be looking backwards and be mired in the past. He talked a little bit before that about how Biden is running for office and why he or Biden running and why he should defeat him. But is that the way you think Republicans should be answering that question on January the 6th? He wasn't anywhere near Washington. Did he have a TV? Was he alive that day? Did he see what was going on? I mean, that's one of the most ridiculous answers I've heard in this race so far. You don't have an opinion about January 6th, except to say, I didn't particularly enjoy what happened. People were killed. That's exactly a strong statement. People were killed. People were killed. That's true. Well, one person was killed. The, the one person who was killed in the political violence of that day was a Trump supporter who was killed by a trigger-happy cop. That's the part that Chris Christie leaves out there. But it's, it's a smart attack for Christie because Christie's running a kind of a kamikaze campaign where he's theoretically trying to go after Donald Trump. But he knows if he wants to stay in long enough to go after Trump, he's got to take out 
Ron DeSantis. And this is the key. This is probably the biggest advantage that Trump has in 2024, which we'll get to in one second. First, though, I want to tell you about great, delicious meat. I want to tell you about Good Ranchers. Right now, go to GoodRanchers.com, use promo code Knowles. If you have not yet heard, the FDA has approved lab-grown chicken for sale. Yeah. Meat formed in a lab will soon be coming to a store near you. Yuck. If you prefer real meat grown in a pasture instead of a Petri dish, then you need Good Ranchers. Not only do they sell real meat from real animals, but they sell the best meat that this country has to offer. From steakhouse quality cuts of beef to better than organic chicken, everything Good Ranchers sources is from local farms in America. Plus, right now, you'll get $30 off with my code Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S, at GoodRanchers.com. They've got terrific products, top-tier customer service. You can't call the scientists in the lab to ask about their fake meat, but Good Ranchers has a team of people available for you to call and answer all your questions. Real meat, real service, top stuff on the market. I just absolutely love their products. What are you waiting for? Enjoy real meat, real service today with Good Ranchers. GoodRanchers.com. Use code Knowles for 30 bucks off any box. Promo code Knowles at GoodRanchers.com. GoodRanchers.com. American meat delivered. It sometimes feels as though the current culture is perfectly aligned to make you stupid. When liberalism permeates every aspect of your life, it's really difficult to know where to turn to for guidance. So I've got some good news. Our friend Dennis Prager is back with additional episodes of PragerU Master's Program. We've released the first five episodes earlier this year. Audiences loved it, sparked a ton of conversation online. Dennis offers useful advice on marriage, happiness, how to be a good person, plus so much more. He even dares to explain the differences between men and women in a world that wants to make you a big lib. Dennis Prager is on a mission to make you wise. Our latest episode picks up by sharing more of the differences between the left and the right. A few of them might just surprise you. It's available now for Daily Wire Plus members with new episodes coming out every week. Go to dailywire.com slash subscribe to become a member and watch PragerU's master's program along with so much more content. Dailywire.com slash subscribe today. Christie is going after DeSantis because if DeSantis remains strong, then none of the other candidates are going to have a chance to really take their shot at the king, at Donald Trump. Which means that the candidates are going to focus their fire onto DeSantis, which means Trump is going to maintain his big league. It it probably is not going to help the, the lower polling candidates. It could hurt DeSantis. We've already seen DeSantis' numbers go down. That is why this nomination is set up in such a way that Donald Trump has the overwhelming likelihood of becoming the nominee. And I talk to many people around the country. I'm on the road constantly. And they say, oh, you know, I just wish Trump would get out of this thing. I hope you, I wish he would drop out. And some people still love Trump, by the way. I don't want to undersell that either. There are a lot of people who still love Trump. They're gung-ho. They want him to have another four years. But the ones who say, oh, I wish it were some other candidate, maybe DeSantis or somebody like that. Why won't he just drop out? The reason he won't just drop out is because if you're telling yourself that Trump is not going to be the nominee because of some prosecution or because he is too much of a loud mouth or something like that, you are fooling yourself. You are crazy. This nomination is Trump's nomination to lose by a country mile. I'm not saying he can't lose it. I'm not saying some other candidate can't pop up. But right now, it is not 
even close. And the, the primary is, the circumstances of them are just such right now that all of the incentives are for the other candidates to take out DeSantis, not Trump. Now, speaking of some of the other candidates, you know, there's a candidate here who he and I go back to college together. He was at the law school when I was in, an undergraduate. And a lot of people didn't know who he was when he announced that he was running. And I said, hey, don't underestimate this guy. And some people said, oh, he's this guy, he's an entrepreneur. He's the Andrew Yang of 2024 GOP primary. I said, I wouldn't compare him to Andrew Yang. This guy's a lot sharper. He's a lot more focused. He's a lot more disciplined, a campaigner. This guy could go somewhere. A lot of people laughed. You know, I hate to say I told you so. He's going somewhere. Vivek Ramaswamy has just broken double digits in the Republican primary race, according to Echelon Insights, which is a serious polling firm. The poll found, as I have said for a long time, that Donald Trump has a strong lead. He's got 49% support. DeSantis is only at 16% support right now. So now Trump has opened up the gap. It's not just in the 20s anymore. It's not just 30-31. It's now 33-point gap. And then Ramaswamy comes in third. That's pretty, when you think about how many people are in the race, you've got multiple governors. You've got Governor Nikki Haley, Governor Asa Hutchinson, who's kind of, you know, okay, whatever. Governor Chris Christie. You've got a sitting U.S. Senator, Tim Scott. You've got other candidates. And then this guy, Vivek, this, this tech pharma entrepreneur, anti-woke business guy who's got an anti-woke asset management fund. You know, he's just kind of like a weirdo. And he's come out of nowhere because he's got a message that appears to be resonating with people. If anything goes wrong with the DeSantis campaign, DeSantis obviously a strong number two right now, Vivek has a real shot at being bumped up to number two. And then who knows? Who knows what happens from there? In any case, though, let's say you say, all right, he's in double digits, but he's not going to go the distance. Again, wouldn't make predictions this far out, but let's, let's say that were the case. Vivek has every incentive to stay in this race. His message is resonating, his numbers are rising, and every moment he stays in gives him a better opportunity to, if he loses the nomination, to become a cabinet pick, to become a, a running mate even potentially, to, to have more power and influence over the GOP and potentially over the presidential ticket in 2024. All the incentives are there and the, the influence just keeps rising for him. I mentioned that Bake and I go back to college together. Speaking of colleges, the big Supreme Court decision struck down affirmative action in college admissions, specifically against Harvard and UNC. And this case only really was able to go through because the discrimination was directed not only toward white people, but also toward Asian students. Had this just been about discriminating against white people, I don't think the court would have struck it down because we just live in a culture where white people are denigrated. They are not only legally discriminated against, but also the culture encourages uniquely white people to be denigrated, insulted, called, you know, the worst people in the world. And the courts read the newspapers and they watch the election returns. And I think probably affirmative action would have remained in place 
had it only been about white people. But the libs got greedy and they attacked Asian people because Asians have the highest test scores, which really undermines a lot of the narrative around white privilege and whatever other nonsense the libs talk about. So because this case could be framed as uh, one racial minority being oppressed uh, by, I guess, another racial minority oppressor or something, because the white people didn't really factor into it too much, affirmative action gets struck down. And I celebrated this and I said, wow, this is great news. It had just broken when I came on air. But, but I said, you know, the one bit of caution I'll give you here is the schools are going to continue to discriminate. They're just going to do so by reducing the importance of objective measures and standardized tests. And they're going to inflate the importance of, say, the personal statement and these, these more ambiguous criteria for college admissions, such that if you say, you know, I am I am an oppressed person, Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter, in your personal statement, then that will be given greater weight. And that's how the schools will continue to discriminate against whites and probably Asians too. Well, I really do hate to say I told you so here. Harvard already proved me right. Within hours, Harvard sent out this notice. Dear members of the Harvard community, today the Supreme Court delivered its decision in Students for Fair Admissions versus President and Fellows of Harvard College. The court held that Harvard College admission system does not comply with the principles of the Equal Protection Clause embodied in the Title Title VI of the Civil Rights Act. The court also ruled that colleges and universities may consider in admissions decisions, quote, an applicant's discussion of how race affected his or her life, be it through discrimination, inspiration, or otherwise, we will certainly comply with the court's decision. And there you go. There it is. I did not predict that they would admit to this so openly, but they did. It makes me feel good. that They basically said, dear members of the Harvard community, the thing Michael said on his show is exactly what we're going to do. So I get, I get a kick out of that. I like, I like being right about these predictions, but that's really on the nose. It's so brazen. It's, it's, it makes a mockery of the Supreme Court and the system of law. And that's amazing coming from one of our nation's most prestigious universities, they would say, yeah, an applicant, we can ask an applicant to discuss how race has affected his or her life. So you know that's what they're going to put on the application now. Say how, okay, we can't ask what race you are, or we can't force you to tell us this, and we can't, we can't give weight to, you know, if you're black, you get an extra 200 points or something. And if you're a white or Asian, you lose 200 points. But we can give an outsized weight to this question, how has race affected your life? And just depending on how we feel about your answer, that's going to affect it. So uh, Harvard is saying we are going to continue to discriminate against white people and against Asian people in admissions and Supreme Court, you can go pound sand. They're saying this. Other schools have been saying a similar uh, thing. I think we've got another one here. Yeah. So this, this, uh, this some coverage. This is from Danielle Ren Holly, president of Mount Holyoke College. Uh, will it become more opaque? this application process? Yes, it will have to. It's a complex process, and this opinion will make it even more complex. I mean, it won't make it more complex in the outcome, which is whites and Asians will be discriminated against. Uh, Black people and other racial groups will have an advantage, and they're just going to do it in a way that's a a little bit more complex. They're going to have to ask a, a long answer question instead of just checking a box, but that, that will continue. And so th- forget about the college admissions, forget about the race uh, discrimination question for a second. This poses a great challenge to our entire system of law and order, and it accelerates a trend that we've seen for years now, which is nobody has faith in our system of law anymore. 
Nobody has faith in our institutions. And the Republicans are blamed for this because the Republicans are the insurrectionists from January 6th, the worst day in American history. But more, much more than the Republicans and the conservative, it's, it's the liberals and the Democrats who have undermined our system of law and order and our political institutions. They've questioned many more elections for far flimsier reasons than the conservatives had for a much longer time. They've undermined our system of law and they've turned our system of law, which is supposed to be primarily a matter of interpretation, interpreting eternal principles of justice in the natural law and applying them to changing political circumstances in our positive civil law. Uh, they've changed that to merely an act of the will. No, we're not, we're not going to say that there's any objective moral order or natural law or anything. That's all bunk. We're just going to impose whatever the hell we want through whatever legal mechanisms we possibly can, unjust though they may be. Well, by doing that, you undermine our, our faith in the system of justice. The idea that Lady Justice is blind with her scales, no, that's gone now. Justice will be meted out uh, more intensely to political enemies and more leniently to political friends. Uh, you see this even in the construction of courtrooms. Courtrooms used to be gigantic. Think of the Supreme Court building in Washington, D.C. Big, sturdy, marble, temples, unchanging, heavy. And now what are they? They're tiny little brutalist office rooms with low ceilings where you don't feel that weight of the law and the weight of history and the unchanging questions and principles of justice. Feels like any other bureaucrat's office where things can change on a dime and frequently they do. That's the libs doing that. And it's now being pushed by supposedly one of the most prestigious colleges in the country. You can expect all the other colleges to follow suit. Now there's another lawsuit involving Harvard, which is a lawsuit to challenge the practice of legacy admissions. So the court at least formally strikes down affirmative action, even if the colleges are not going to comply with that. And uh, the libs respond and they say, well, there is, there is affirmative action for white people or for rich people or for uh, people with long histories at these institutions. And it's called legacy admissions. And so we're going to try to strike that down too. And a lot of conservatives are cheering this on, but they are sadly very misguided, and they're buying into the same silly principles that the liberals have. This is maybe my most unpopular opinion on this issue, but I'm very pro-legacy admission. We'll get to why in a second. One of the main reasons why is we need balance in our society, and you need balance in your body. That's why you need balance of nature. Right now, go to balanceofnature.com. Use promo code Knowles. Balance of nature, fruits and veggies are a great way to make sure that you are getting essential nutritional ingredients every single day. Through Balance of Nature's advanced cold vacuum process, the vitamins, minerals, and phytonutrients of the fruits and vegetables are preserved so that you can get that vital nutrition in each capsule. Balance of Nature is a whole food supplement with no additives, fillers, extracts, synthetics, pesticides, added sugar, none of that. Pure fruits and veggies are the only things they put in their capsules. Balance of Nature sent a bunch of their products down to the studio for our team to try. And these absolute hyena jackals just ripped them all apart. These, these monsters trying to take them before I can get to them. That's not Balance of Nature's fault. That's my team's fault. We can deal with that later. When you are disciplined enough to take care of your health, you reap all kinds of benefits. 
your body will thank you. For a limited time this summer, when you become a preferred customer of Balance of Nature, they're throwing in a free fruit and veggies travel set and giving you an additional 25 bucks off your first order. Go to balanceofnature.com, use promo code Knowles for a free travel set and 25 bucks off your first order as a preferred customer. Balanceofnature.com, promo code Knowles. My favorite comment, maybe ever, but certainly from last week, is from Senor Basun, 4804, who says, Michael is like if Dean Martin took up politics. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. I was singing Volare on my walk into my office today, and I think the reason you're saying that is because I've I've got scotch in my tumbler every single morning. You know, that's that's why that's why I'm speaking in cursive by the end of the show. The libs are going after legacy admissions in colleges right now. The conservatives are squishing on this, and they think that they can find common ground with the liberals, and they'll say, "Well, actually, you're right." You know, what's good for the goose is good for the gander, and legacy admissions aren't meritocratic either, and we love meritocracy, and so yeah, we'll go along with that, liberals, but it's not, it's not a wise idea at all. You're never going to find middle ground with the libs because their, their starting premises are so off. And two, uh, legacy admissions are good. They're good and very conservative. I was not a legacy admission to college. Far from it. I did not grow up with money. Far from it. However, I am very supportive of legacy admissions for a few reasons. One, just practically speaking, one of the benefits of going to these big name brand colleges is the networking, is the exposure to elements of society that you would not otherwise be exposed to. So why why is it so important? Take the libs arguments for a second. Why is it so important that poor kids from the inner city who never had a leg up, are given special privileges to go to a place like Harvard? Is it so that they can study calculus? Is it so that they can read Dickens? No, you can do that anywhere. The reason it's so important, the whole argument for affirmative action in the first place, is that Harvard is an elite institution that disproportionately has influence on American public life. And so, we want people who have been kept out of the elite to be given a, a pass to get into the elite to refresh the elite and to help improve their lot in life. That's the whole argument for affirmative action. Well, what, what makes Harvard elite? Yeah, maybe a little bit it's the professors. Yeah, maybe it's a little bit the dorms are nice or something like that. No, but the, the real thing is the, it's the people that you're interacting with, the old, wealthy, families whose names you've heard of, who have influence in banks and media and politics and education and all of these institutions. And when you are injected into that society, then you you gain an advantage and you have an easier time becoming a member of that elite. Whether that's still true today, whether or not Harvard and Yale and Princeton have lost a little bit of their luster, that's a question for another time. That's at least the, the idea for affirmative action. And so if that is the case, then you need legacy admissions. <laughs> if that is the case, if the whole point is to hobnob with the fancy wealthy people, you know, the, I don't know, the Rockefellers and the, the Bushes and the, all these kinds of people and the Kennedys, you know, then you need legacy admissions to hobnob with them. Now, you might say, well, no, Harvard's just going to admit the people with the highest test scores. Well, there's more to life than test scores. There's more to human society than meritocracy. 
is you still need the people who own the companies to be involved. You still need the people who own the land to be involved. You still need people with stakes in government, with influence to be involved. Society is about a lot more than just how you did on your SAT. Furthermore, merit, pure meritocracy is not especially conservative. Because another thing that legacy admissions do, beyond the arguments that, if, that even the affirmative action proponents would make for legacy admissions, is they provide stability. They, they encourage affection for institutions. When, when you've been going to Harvard for 12 generations, you're going to have a great deal of affection for Harvard. You're probably going to give more money to Harvard. That money that you give to Harvard is going to pay for the scholarship students, by the way. <laughs> so it's going to, to help the meritocracy in some ways, and it's going to make sure that those bonds of affection keep the people who have the, the greatest interest in preserving these institutions around for the longest period of time. Uh, there's going to be stability there. If your great-great-great-great-great-granddaddy went to an institution and you, your family's been going there for a long time, then you're going to know things that you can't put in an admissions brochure or in a training session. You're going you're to know the nooks and the crannies and the ins and the outs of the place, the ineffable little aspects of an institution that give the institution its particularity and make it lovable and make it unique. Uh, and then, furthermore, you're, you're going to have a, a, certain, a certain enduring stability to the place. Things that just don't change. You know, uh, there was always this conflict in GOP fundraisers in the last 30 years, let's say, where you'd have the first part, you'd, you'd hear about the importance of family values. And then in the second part of the GOP fundraiser speech, you'd hear about the importance of creative destruction and how we just need to change everything all the time and constantly innovate. And those things are opposed to one another. One of the, I guess the central feature of a legacy admission is family. The idea that you and your brother are going to go to the same college. And maybe, maybe it doesn't, it's not a guaranteed way of entry into a college, but if, that if your brother goes there and your sister goes there and your father went there, then you're going to have an advantage to getting in there too. Isn't it good? Don't we want families to remain tightly knit, doesn't that, doesn't that provide a good, stable building block for society? Isn't that a deeply conservative value? It is. And I guess I have a particular bit of credibility here because it wasn't a legacy admission and my family didn't go to any of these places and I didn't come for money and we didn't donate money to build a building on campus or anything like that. And so I, I just can see it from the outside. And it's, it's like with anything in society that the liberals have, through envy and resentment and pride, tried to knock down. They, they fail to see even three feet ahead of them, and they fail to see how these institutions that they resent and envy help them. And when you knock down the legacy admissions, you're, you're going to knock down the advantages that these people are, are seeking, up to and including their own scholarships that are going to let, that are going to let them in. Now, all of that said, Harvard's a pretty rotten place. And if Harvard crumbles, I'm not going to shed a whole lot of tears for it. A lot of the American elite institutions have been so rotted out by the left that if they crumble, I'm not going to be all that upset about it. But I don't want, when those institutions do crumble, I don't want these people to say that I didn't tell them so. Now, speaking of Nepo babies, I guess, I'll, I guess I'll just have to tease this story. Maybe we'll get to it tomorrow. A certain substance was found in the White House. They found a white powder. 
and you know, there are white powder scares that happen often in politics. And when white powder is found anywhere in someone's mailbox, and this just happened with state legislators here in Tennessee, you know, the, the emergency teams are called in. They've got to test the powder. People are evacuated. So there's this big emergency at the White House. We've got to get out of here. There was, there was white powder found in the residence. The white powder was found just shortly after Hunter Biden paid a visit to the residence. And I think you know where this is going here. Uh, let's just say, wasn't anthrax. We don't know who the white powder belonged to, but it would appear to be some of that grade A Hunter-esque booger sugar found in the White House residence. We will. We'll get to that story tomorrow, I guess. Today, we finally get back to the member block, even though producer Jacob has not given me my iPad yet. I know that it's Woke Wednesday because we had Monday, it was July 3rd, yesterday was the 4th of July. So now I finally get to be with you again here on Woke Wednesday if producer Jacob ever gets me my beautiful iPad. The rest of the show continues now. You don't want to miss it. Become a member. Use code Knowles, Canada, So check it for two months free on all annual plans.